0: Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. So here's another experimental episode. We give you the CCs, the caffeine casts. Maybe this should be the EEs, the experimental episodes. So these are more conversational. These are with people I've got to know who've become friends. These are maybe slightly off concept to the standard interviews or standard Disruptive Entrepreneur episodes. Now, I'm getting a lot of good feedback that people like these experimental episodes. And I hope you enjoy this one, too. So this Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast is with an ex-England footballer who's also become a good friend over the last maybe year or two. He's a a watch dealer. He sourced me a lot of my watches and one of his friends who's also become a good friend of mine who's an art dealer. Uh, He's also a a student on our property courses, on our podcast course. He's got his own podcast podcast. The England footballer is just launching his podcast. So we got together in our studio. We discussed watches, art, podcasting, just all the things that we're doing together behind the scenes that you may not know about, where the industries are going, you know, areas that you can invest. We talked a lot about cars and investments for cars. So it's kind of like a more conversational and less sort of question, answer, question, answer. Certainly getting a lot more feedback that the conversational style um, which maybe sometimes go on their own tangents, but are, are more natural are preferred to the interrogation style Q and A, Q and and A. So I'd love your feedback. I hope you enjoy this experimental podcast with an ex England footballer, also Man United footballer, and I think I show how balanced I am as a human being. If I could be good friends with the Man U fan, uh, and also a very successful art dealer in London. So welcome to the episode. Testing one two one two one two three four five six seven eight
1: nine ten. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9,
0: 10. Do you pro- I always think, think
1: of you as Steve. Do you prefer Steve or Stephen? Don't really matter. Yeah, no.
0: No. no, no just just I'm just just good.
1: What does your right? mum call you? Err, uh, arsehole. <laughs> 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 um, uh, do you know what? I don't even know. Steve. I don't even know. Why does your missus call you when she's turned if off? If she, Because <laughs> we call her, well, call her don't call you that. <laughs> it's normally when she's pissed off, she goes, Stephen. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast and simultaneous live stream. Uh, So this is a bit of an experimental episode. Uh, I'm with two really great guys who have become really good friends over the last, what, sort of year or two. Steve's launched a a great podcast, Um, and Kieran, you'll probably recognise Kieran, um, ex-England footballer, uh, and now um, podcaster Watch. Connoisseur, Hustler,
2: what, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hustler, better say hustler than a connoisseur. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what we thought we'd do today is um, just have a chat about watches, <clears throat> about cars, about podcasts, about things that we're kind of, we're all interested in um, and just see how it goes. Yeah. Um, Steve, do you want
1: to tell everyone a bit about your podcast as well? Yeah, so um, it's called the Stephen Sully Study. My name is Stephen Sully. This is almost like a part two for me with Kieran because I've got uh, an episode dropping tomorrow. I think it's number 26 or 27 or something like that. We filmed out the Curtain Club and um, have a wellness company called Mimbo. So in, the extension of that is my podcast. And it's talking everything from uh, business to training, nutrition, and Kieran just fit the bill. Of course, Rob does as well. But uh, initially, I wanted to speak to Kieran about his Rob football fits the
0: bill, but Kieran's a bigger name. That's what you really want to say. <laughs> well, I'm well, just <laughs> saying
1: you can probably kick balls <laughs> better Yeah, <now>. no, you <laughs> definitely can. Um, so, yeah, it's nice. It's just going to blend into mm. uh, a bit of a nice transition. Mm. Why did you want to get into podcasts? Because you actually did our podcast training,
0: didn't you, to start your podcast?
1: Yeah, do you know what? Like... Um, I was getting mentored by Progressive Property, by mm-hmm. a couple of your your, your guys. Uh, shout out to Steve Mitchell and also Jamie Medill. I think mm-hmm. that's it. Really good guys. Yeah. And then i just come across um, your money book. And then I went on to the three-dayer, I think it was, or two-dayer. The money event. Yes, yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, And I got a lot of value from the book. Always got a lot of value out of these kind of networking events mm-hmm. and talk- talks. Thank and you. it just come up, I don't know how it come up, but... You were talking about the numbers that you've done on Facebook, LinkedIn, yeah. Instagram, but then also podcasting. Yeah. And I think now you're up to about two million subscribers or something, are you? Yeah, a bit more than that now. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think at the time it was just say only a mil, but about a million just yeah. over that. Two million. Wow. And I was just mm. like thinking, do you know what? I do a lot of public speaking anyway. I go to sales companies, train them. I thought it just it's something I enjoy anyway, and it just. Gives you kind of validation to your own mm. brand. Mm. So even if I'm not going to monetize it straight away, the trickle effect is yeah. you're going to you're going to get some kind of business or network. And it's allowed me to meet you know loads of different people. I've knew Kieran before, but you know had a platform for us to talk. I'd definitely recommend it if you've got a business you want to scale it. Mm. Podcasting is the way forward. And you're thinking about launching, aren't you, Kieran? Yeah, tomorrow
2: I'm doing a podcast with my my friends. It's called Band of Brothers. Uh, I don't know when it's going to launch though. But we're doing a pilot tomorrow. We'll see how it goes that's cheeks on it as well yeah, yeah a good yeah, friend of ours yeah there's five of us doing it so it should, should be a laugh we're just talking about general things just what guys talk about whatever's going on in the news at a time mm. and what's your motivation to do a podcast my motivation um I just, just you know what we, we talk so much on the whatsapp in the groups <coughs> so much about just general things and we're arguing in the groups we'd rather
0: just we say much let everyone else hear what we're talking about and, mm. you know and say it goes from there mm. that's it really I think the world has changed in that, um, if you think about 15, 20 years ago, media was all corporations, you know, British Broadcasting Corporation, HBO, and you were talking about being in a studio like this for Sky, getting this massive, um, or TalkSport, getting this massive checklist of things to say. Mm. Now people want to hear just conversations, I think. Yeah, I mm. mean, some of the best podcasts I love are just conversations with people that I'm interested in. And yes, yeah, a bit of a longer listen, um, and sometimes you have to filter through some of the bits you're interested in or not. We're going to probably talk about watches and cars and things mm. like that, which hopefully people are interested in. Um, but I think it's good because it's a more honest medium yeah, where yeah. you get to talk to people where, where their guards are down. Yeah. And also, I think people like the fact that they can have a conversation without being edited mm. or sort of manipulated in the media. People, mm-hmm.
2: people like, real, like real conversation, nothing, as you said, nothing edited, um, which is great for us, which we're doing now.
0: Mm. So. In the world of football, high-profile football, did you find that sometimes you were mi- misrepresented in the press and all that? For sure, definitely. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, the media would write about footballers a certain way, and obviously,
2: people reading the papers would take judgment on that. Mm. And in some cases, not the case. Yeah, and you know, I think now with the social media, the platform was there. Footballers get to interact with the fans and. They, like if you write if you write something bad about me, I can come in and say no, it wasn't true. Yeah. I was at home with my wife and kids. I wasn't in yeah. the nightclub. Mm. So I think
0: in that sense, it's it's really good. Mm. And if it's your podcast, you can say and do whatever you want. Exactly. You can react to the media. Yeah. Um, I think Russell Brand. He's got like a really Lovely. big podcast. He's really good at bringing social media and podcasts into give his sort of political views. Mm-hmm. Um, and also now a lot of people, I saw this change. There's a guy called Grant Cardone. He's big in America. He's I got know, he's a 10X brand. And, um, you know, like five years ago when an American comes to the UK who's quite big in the media, he'll go and do TV and radio. And Grant Cardone came over to the UK, had a couple of big speaking gigs. He did no TV, no radio. He just went on a load of podcasts. Mm. And for me, that was when I was like, well, he doesn't want to do TV media because he's not really got control of it. It's not got editorial control. That's it. When you do a podcast, you know you're probably not going to get twisted. Um, I mean, like if you get on Tim Ferriss's podcast or Joe Rogan's podcast or Adam Buxton's podcast or Fern Cotton's podcast, you can get out to millions of people unedited. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, like you said, if you're in the media and you're out in a nightclub and you were doing this, that, and the other, you going go on a podcast the next day and go, no, wasn't. This is what I was doing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah. it, it, you know, like the news, politics, Uh, I know there's a lot of controversial things which are happening, but the media does have a a way or a habit of twisting things Mm. just to make it... I don't want to knock them and say they're doing it just to sell papers, but at the end of the day, that is their role. Mm. Good thing about doing podcasts, it is just a raw example or conversations of what people are having. Mm. And um, my first few episodes, uh, which was just just myself rather than an interview, and I was doing things on sales or things of that nature or motivation maybe and I remember getting stopped by one guy. It's only happened once so far, but it was a really nice feeling, very humbling, Mm -hmm. and come over to me, just a regular guy, and he said, I get a lot of value out of it, and he said, it's nice to hear someone English actually doing it, because Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, all the the regular powerhouses in that space are phenomenal, but sometimes, big american is very very different to someone who's from south london who's a salesperson Mm. so you might get motivated stitches in his eye yeah (laughs) 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 on the true thoroughbred um and uh yeah we we, we can relate to you more people can relate to it i'm not gonna not everyone's gonna be able to relate to me Mm. um but I, i when he when he said it i thought you know what that makes me feel good Did he recognize you I think just off of uh, just Instagram, he subscribed okay. to my podcast. Right. I don't know how, and yeah. um, like I said, it so was... So famous now? Nearly at your yeah. level, <laughs> You know, I'm probably going to go on Sky Sports News <laughs> there.
0: But I actually found that because obviously I'm not like, you know, in the league of you, Kieran, in terms of how well-known I am. But I spent 10 years working really hard building up my company, Progressive Property, which is, you know, it's probably a... 40 50 million pound value business now, and I'd get recognized once every five years. Uh, and then within what a year of doing my podcast, I get stopped two or three times everywhere I go oh. at the airport, just in around Peterborough High Street, or wherever I go anywhere. And that the podcast has given me that platform. I'm just a normal guy, I'm not, I haven't been able to leverage a celebrity brand like others do. Mm. And, and by the way, if I was a celebrity, I would try and leverage that brand, but I'm not. I've, So podcast has given me a reach that, you know, otherwise would probably only be if I was a celebrity or I'd got a mainstream media, which is really exciting. So um, there's one common thing that have brought all of us together, and that's watches, because I remember clear as day how we properly met because Steve was in our podcast course but there were like 70 people in that course. there was a lot, yeah. And I walked straight up to you and I went, "I love your Patek." Yeah. because um, he had he's got he had the same Patek Philippe. It's lovely. Nautilus on 5990. Yeah, and um that so for me the a great thing about um having what an interest in watches is it it brings together mm. people who are you know if you've got a Patek Philippe on Patek Patek there's a certain amount of things that you have to know yeah and probably level of business and type of things you have to have experienced in your life to be able to afford a 50 or a forty-five pound watch um now you're the man for watches because you know everything about no, I don't watches. Know everything and you, you've had most of my money I think <laughs> <laughs> um
2: no I don't know everywhere watches obviously I've been collecting watches for 17 years it's a long time obviously when I was playing football <coughs> I always Bought watches throughout my career. And And did you buy them
0: because you loved them or did you buy them because you had a sniff that they might hold your money? Always love.
2: Yeah. I think anything I buy is originally from love. I love looking at watches. I just, when I I buy my watches now, I buy it for the look, if I'm honest, not because Mm. I know it's going to go up in value or what what you can do, the functions you can do. Just like the cars as well, we were talking about the other day. Yeah. So for me, I was collecting watches. I just fell into what I do now and obviously selling watches to people. And I just love it. I love giving people enjoyment. You know, when I give you a watch, you know, see your face, smile, it's nice. And then when I give you 120 grand, <laughs> see your face,
0: smile.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I was like, when you said that you saw his watch, mm. is that the first thing you look at when someone watches? Yeah, me. I'm, I always yeah. Sc- yeah, I watch like that. out. Yes. But I don't know what it is, because I'm in watches, first thing I look at someone, I meet them, naturally I just look at their watch. Yeah, yeah. me too. Obviously, some people I don't know might look at their shoes or whatever. I'm I'm a watch guy. It's I'm a looking. bit
1: like that. It's like I know. It's like a a badge mm. almost, and it's like a, a rapport builder. Because straight mm. away, even if you don't know that person, mm. you might even be slightly intimidated by somebody mm. to approach them. But the moment they've got a watch on that you recognise, mm. you just drop in something, and straight away the conversations, you know, manifest from there. Yeah, and I think it's a great way of um, networking. Mm. I'd actually done an episode on the reasons why some people should look at uh, investing or buying into a watch. But, no, some, but some people don't like watches, though. And yeah, do
0: you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of like well, someone just mentioned on the live no mug punter. Then I am probably the biggest mug punter ever. <laughs> I'm The easiest
1: person to sell a watch to. Do you know what I mean? Easy. There? Yeah, but it's a little sorry. bit like sorry. It's a little bit like um, art. Mm. So there's there's. There's people that would say, oh, I'm not really into art. Mm. And I would always suggest that they need to get educated on the artist, the yeah. art itself, before they make a, a, a real uh, uh, real comment about it. Yes. Because I think it all comes from the education. Mm. Once you get educated on, certainly Patek Philippe, mm. I remember my business partner for my birthday got me a, a trip to Geneva. Mm and we went to their factory. flagship store, we what? went to their factory. Mm. I didn't realise they only make about 58,000 watches a year. Now, mm. if you compare that to Rolex... More than a million. Like, More I than a million. I think yeah. it was 30 million. Yeah, I think millions. It was 30 millions, million. 30 millions, million. Yeah. And they also said that uh, this is still the only family run business as far as watches are concerned. Well they are looking to sell it now, apparently. AP really a, AP a family. Uh,
0: yeah Oh really? Yeah okay
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah AP yeah. Mm. Well I I sat next down to Pierre someone, one of one of okay. the one of the top guys yes. and they they say the unique thing about them opposed to Rolex mm. is Rolex will take probably days to make a decision on which way that the business should go and yes. the type of watches they should bring out because there's a board. Mm. But with Patek, they will literally make a decision within about an hour, mm. between three of it's them. Smaller business, smaller company, Found can be more flexible, business, yeah. yeah. And it was just nice to feel like you're actually buying into something more than yeah. something telling the time. You're buying into something intricate, heritage, history, mm. and something which I feel was still quite like, I don't know, intimate, you know? Yes. Their business. Mm. The
2: brands amazing brand So good. It's probably one of my favourite brands. What Patek? Yeah, for sure. That RM. Yeah. You
1: yeah, know your RM. Yeah. It. I love Richard Mille. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, uh, AP and Patek. Yeah. I think Patek for me edges it, but AP. Well, both Patek, like
0: Patek and AP, are both still family-run. Mm. Um, I think it's like the. I didn't know that about Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Because. You know, LMVH, they bought loads of watch Mm. brands, haven't they? And then they just, you know, you can't blame them because they're a business, but then Mm. they turn them into a mass-produced, mass-volume watch and kind of lose that, Um, you know, I think a watch is a statement. Mm. And this is a statement of who you are with the watch that you wear, just because everything is, your clothes are, your car are. And if you don't like a nice watch and you don't (laughs) want to wear expensive clothes, that's still a statement. Mm. You know, when I used to be into Rage Against the Machine, and wear t- t-shirts with rock you on the front, mm. that was a statement. Yeah. So we're all making a statement and some people think, oh, you know, fancy watches, you know, 100 grand or whatever for a watch, that's just ridiculous. But we're all making a statement of who we are, hoping that other people that are like us will notice us for who we are. Mm. Why do you wear a rock t-shirt? So you hopefully you can meet people who are into rock. Mm. So as soon as I saw that watch on your wrist, I just felt like I knew you already and, and it's funny, yeah, Everything it's in memory. that moment of looking at that watch, everything I thought you might be as a person, you are as a person, we built up a good friendship. And it was actually you that introduced me
1: to Kieran. It's just from a watch. It's just it's just, just from, it's from just a, a watch. watch. <laughs> yeah, and that's...
0: you don't even have to say anything. Now, if that had been a tag her, I would not have blinked. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with a tag her. Yes. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah. And something for me that's really important in watches uh, is... I don't want to lose my money mm-hmm. yeah so like i know some people can say are oh, you these guys talking about watches 100 grand watches you know it's a, a heinous waste of money and you know like i wouldn't buy a watch for 100 grand and then you know have it worth 50 grand in three years mm. for me that's just dumb yes um but as you get more into things like watches and art and cars and stuff like that you can have free watches so we've had a free introduction to each other thanks to watches um, that's a free watch for you. In fact, that's probably made you 20 grand. Mm. That's a free watch to you. This is a free watch to me because it goes up in value. Mm. So just a little bit of education in art or cars or watches, you could buy a Rolex Daytona. It's a free watch. It could be your first watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I like doing do it with my hi-fi equipment, <clears throat> my free hi-fi equipment. Now, you might have to pay more capital mm. to get the right brand, but it, it, it's free use of it. You, mm. you had a speciality, didn't you? You, got, you basically had that free.
2: Yeah, basically, I bought it. For X amount, I sold it for a little bit more. It was a free car. Mm. As you said, you know, even especially That's watches. so nice,
1: that car, though. I know. Cut, but your SV
2: is better. Yeah, it is better. Um, <laughs> but the reason why I sold the special because I wasn't driving it. I, yeah. like, I like to do my, when I buy these things, I like to use them. Yeah. My watches, my yeah. cars. Mm. I know some people like sitting there looking pretty, but I like to actually get into them and drive it. So the reason why I sold the special because I wasn't driving it. has got
0: rid of it. Mm. But as you said, yeah. But you made on it. But I made on it. Cause, yeah, because you bought a car with limited run yes. at the right pu- point, at the right price. Yes, for sure. Mm. And just, as I said, just saying the
2: watches, it's buying the correct watches, knowing that it's going to go up. Mm. You know, it's got good stories behind
0: them. Great history, as you said, as the, the brand. Mm. So if someone wants to get into watches watching this, let's say that they like to own something nice and they want to feel like they're putting their money in a safe place and it's going to, you know, maybe, at the worst, not lose, but mm. maybe make. Yes. Where should they start?
2: Me, I'd start... Lower end, probably Rolex. You no, know, As you said, you know, you've got the Kermits, you've got the Daytonas. Yeah. These are solid watches. They,
0: they will, I cannot see how they'd ever go down. No, no I can't see it going no. down. Especially Daytonas don't go down. I mean, if, you, that, if you track back on Daytona price... It's crazy, isn't yeah. it? I know that
2: discontinu- the, the older ones are discontinued now, but the newer ones, they're like... The nine grand retail, they're going for like seventeen thousand. I've got the one
1: before the uh, ceramic bezel, got white face. In actual fact, my business partner bought me Mm. bought me it, and I bought bought him the same watch a couple of years before. Mm. I think we paid like five grand. Yeah, and look at that. And now, you know, (laughs) five grand. grand. Those days are gone. gone. Yeah, Uh I I remember my first Daytona. I paid
0: five and a half Mm. for just a standard black face one. That's probably fifteen now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: When you look at uh, the Paul Newman's, I know they're obviously a little bit more, well, they are oh, very yeah. rare, but the ones from like 1950s or whatever, they're yeah. silly. What, 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 they what, did, what did
0: Paul Newman's Paul Newman sell for? 17 million. 17
1: million quid
0: <laughs> for for a one-off Paul Newman. Yeah, Paul it Newman it wasn't even in good condition. It was battered. Yeah, was, but people like that. They like the originality of it. Definitely. I, I, I like that
2: because even though people like buying new watches, I get the unworn watches, but especially vintage, people want history behind it. Mm. Comexes and mil subs, these guys, you know, they've performed with, with the watch on.
0: Yeah. And people like to have a story about that. Yeah. How do you make sure you don't buy like a vintage watch, but it's a Frankenstein, it's been butchered, it's got sort of all the wrong parts in it, all that? Because I see on eBay people selling mm. um, Steve McQueen orange hands. Yes. Just selling the hands, mm. you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's, and- it's
2: very hard. You can get stung. A lot of people <laughs> do get stung especially with the vintage watches so you, you, you need to find someone who you know is credible to you know to say verify the watch yeah um what you find with the old watches a lot of them don't have the papers no more mm. so what you, what you tend to do is get a specialist to open the watch up look at them um, um the movement
0: check us the right parts and things like that mm. yeah I always always um buy and papers is, yeah you think that's recommended definitely yeah um the new watches the ones we buy like
2: with all these watches, you have to have box and papers. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, people do lose them, which is fine. What, what people tend to do, if they do lose them, give, get, get a service and they'll give you like a little service receipt thing. So there's some sort of clarification that it's real. Because when you come to sell it, people, want, people just want to know that it's real, really. Yeah. That's what they want to know.
0: Yeah, because there's, there's more doubt in a watch that doesn't have box and papers than Definitely. it could have been stolen. It's naturally, or, it's naturally yeah.
2: a doubt. You know, if, if someone comes to me and says, oh, no box and papers, in my head, naturally, I think stolen. Yeah. yeah. Even though it might not be stolen, like, mm. you could just lose it. Moving house, you could just lose papers. Yeah. But people think it's stolen. Oh, how much is it? And
0: watches without box and papers are less money. Yeah. So, what, what sort of percentage would you say normally? 20 to 30%. But then the older the watch gets and the more money it's worth, that exaggerates, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I think in the vintage game is completely different. People expect it to have no papers. And if it does have papers, then you've got the whole crowd. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of
0: pounds. Yeah. You know, like, I think, a a lot of people ask me about investing money and obviously I'm into property um, and, you know, that makes sense. But if you bought a fairly nice Rolex once a year, with a bit of your dividends or your profit, mm. uh, and you kept it and you put the box and paper somewhere, in 20 years, for sure, because you you've got, done all right, aren't you? Yeah, because you have got to remember, Rolex and all these brands—they put their retail prices up every yeah. year
2: a few yeah. percentage, so it's naturally going up either way. So mm. I'll, it's a it's, it's a no brainer for me. Yeah, you know, obviously I don't want to tell people what to do with their money, no. but what I've done
1: with my money is put into watches, and I've made a lot of money mm. from it. Think it helps if you're passionate as well yeah. because even in your downtime you won't see it as work you'll yeah. just be researching watching mm. going forums mm. and it'll just, just be a bit of people. Fun. Mm. yeah yeah, yeah. And, then, and you'll just organically track the market anyway yeah. and you'll know when to get in when to get out yeah. roughly yeah. And,
0: right. and i think with any investing that's a big part of it a lot of people say oh, what's the best investment class the one you have the most passion about is probably the best one because you know, property is a great investment class. But if you're just not into property, mm. you're never going to do it properly. Yeah. Um, you know, you probably know people who make a lot of money <coughs> buying and selling cars because they love cars and they know the market. Yeah. So I think you've got to love what you do. Like I love what I do. I love mm. selling watches to people. Uh,
2: I, I love. I don't, I don't sell cars, but I love buying cars and using them. Mm. Um, you love property. Yeah. Um, I love property as well, so I do have property as well. But I think in, in anything in life,
0: you got to enjoy what you're doing, otherwise, there's no point in doing it.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think a lot of
0: people have fear that uh, they're not going to be all right or Mm. they're not going to get by or they're not going to be able to afford to pay their mortgage and everything else Mm. um, doing something that they love. Mm. So then for decades, they do things that they don't love and then their life sort of has drifted away. Mm. But anyone can, you know, hustle and, you know, get through a hard year or two trying to build up what you love Mm. and then move into it. Yeah, exactly. I think where you were really smart. Yeah, I think, like, like you said there, My money came from football
2: so i i i'm lucky enough to have money from football so i've i've gone on to be able to buy watches and buy cars through my football if i didn't have my football then it's harder for me to go and buy these watches and buy these cars Mm. so as you said there sometimes you graft in a certain job which you might not like but once you get to a certain stage you build your money up then you can go and do what you
0: want to do but you were smart about it because i've met a lot of footballers and sports people um, who, you know, their career ended pretty quickly mm. and then they were sort of left out to dry. Mm. But didn't, didn't your dad sort of drum in you a bit about business and entrepreneurship? Definitely
2: my father and my mum as well. I'm from an obviously working-class background. Um, from, obviously. Obviously. Is, 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 is no, no, look, yeah. you got no, no. Most footballers are from a working-class yeah, background. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. It's, yeah. it's, it's normal. Yeah. Um, but for my whole life, I always saw my mum and dad doing businesses. I told you in the podcast, you know, we, we've owned sandwich shops, video shops, coat hanger companies. You know, and we, so I've, I've naturally seen that through my family, and it's rubbed off on me. Yeah. But even though I was a footballer, I've always wanted to. i always like a type of business guy. I just love running businesses. But yeah, as you said footballers. Yeah, they, they end their career.
0: They don't know what else to do because they've not probably not been taught. They don't know any different. No,
2: they, they haven't been taught. They, I know in football we have an organization called the PFA, which is supposed to try to help footballers. You know, guide them. If I'm honest, they don't really do nothing. And they're probably listening now, but it doesn't matter, I don't care. Um when I was a footballer, all, all they said all they said was to me was, okay, do a pension. And I was I, me being me, and obviously having my background in with my dad and property, I thought, no, I'll do I'll do a pension with you, but minimal. I put little money in there. And all my pension was property, buy property. My dad said to me, the first contract that I ever got, professional contract, buy a flat. I bought a flat. The next contract I got buy a house, I bought a house. The next contract I got, buy another house, bought another house. That's the way I was brought up, and mm. that's the way my dad embedded in me. <clears throat> but some, also, some footballers and not even footballers, people, they don't have that guidance. No, yeah. you they know, don't I'll, know what they don't know. Exactly, and I, I was lucky in that for instance. I had my dad telling me in my ear, got to buy this, got to buy this. So Some of the footballers now, where they might be in a single-parent household, and, you know, I, for example, their mum, they get so much money, and the parents, they... they so much money towards them they don't really want to tell their kids anything do you know know what I mean yeah definitely yeah so in that sense I understand why it's it's hard for some parents especially in football to tell their their child something because they're making so much money they don't want to upset their
0: child but I think you have to tell your child what's best for them Mm. I think a big issue is here. Once you start making a decent amount of money, mm. you don't need to worry so much about your future. Mm. Um, it's like Warren Buffett says, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. The best time to plan for your future is when it's going well yes. instead of wait until it doesn't go so mm. well. Because, you know, you might be, you know, one injury or one sort of bad contract or one management change. Definitely. And your career's gone off a cliff. I'm going back to my dad again. He always said that to me, you know, Treat
2: your contract as your last contract. Yeah. So when I got a big contract, he said, this might be your last payday. So you have to plan ahead. Mm. And I, So basically, I was planning ahead since I was 18 years old because mm. I never knew, as you said, it you can get injured straight away. Been, you know, it happens to so many guys yeah. out of the game. And next week, you know, you haven't got no income coming in. So you
0: have to plan ahead and you know treat everything like it's your last money. Because mm. you actually... Um, you were able to retire from football on your own terms, weren't you? Because you probably could have played more seasons. Definitely. What we spoke, we
1: spoke about this, didn't we, Did just just the other week? Yeah, I mean, you only gave up, what, two years ago? Yeah, two years an ago. An I'm, like I'm 34 now. I asked him the question, I said... Well, if okay, wait,
2: wait, wait, I'm not officially retired. Yeah, this yeah. is it.
1: This don't is don't, don't it. put it out there. Don't <laughs> put it out there. <laughs> I said, if you really wanted to make a return, do you reckon you could get into the Premiership, another Premiership team? If I was fit, of course yeah. I can. That's, that's, that's what a great that's, feeling, though, knowing that you could turn it on. That's not a problem. Worst case championship,
2: but <laughs> worst case. Yeah. No, because you you, you, have yeah. that, you have that natural ability. You know? Yeah, it's, it's always there. Yeah, it's, it's a matter of because I'm so young still. It's a matter of just getting fit and losing losing the weight. It's not nothing to do with football, you know. So
1: mm. what a great feeling!
2: Yeah, it's, 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 why, are you, why are you smirking? Why, no, no, no. And you I'm got a
1: ready it No, I'm, just going, I'm
2: going back to what you said about you're goading it. him into this, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm not trying to get back. Even though I do get people say to me, "Why don't you come play in India or?" around the world for like six months and he's like don't get me wrong it'd be a great experience to go in India but my family's here my wife my two kids you know I've got two young children and you know I don't want to leave them and as you said retiring early on my own terms some some people some footballers can't retire; mm. they have to play till they're forty years yeah, old.
0: Yeah, re- because kill their body.
2: Yeah, because yeah. they haven't looked hard. But don't get me wrong; some footballers
1: <clears throat> want to play because they love football still and yeah, they yeah. just want to keep playing and playing. So mm. it's, it's, it's two different stories. There's uh, there's a lot of boxers because I follow boxing a, yeah. bit, a little bit more. And I remember watching a documentary on George Foreman, and there was like two two sides to him. There was the first career he had, to mm-hmm. become champion. Yes. Obviously, fought Muhammad Ali, and then he, I think he turned into like some kind of. Like pastor or a priest Did or he? something like that okay. uh, turned to gods yeah. focused on that for a while then also a farmer I think and wow. then he got back into multiple um, streams of income yeah. amazing story <laughs> yeah. well, I think there was I don't know if it said it on the documentary but I heard he was to run out of money and he, he came back and there's so many boxers thankfully Muhammad Ali came back thankfully didn't it, him, it wor- yeah. worked out for him mm, but yeah. there are so many boxers and think about it I mean they're getting punched in the face you're losing brain cells mm. and you're getting slower as time goes on yeah, of course. and so many of them Make all this money, all this fame, come out of it, and then they have to go back in for the money. But then yeah. sometimes that could be life threatening because they can literally get brain damage because yeah. they're just not the fighter they used to be. Yeah. Look at Ricky Hatton. Yeah. Great example. Mm. You know, I uh, think two-time world champion, mm. different different weights fought Manny Pacquiao, Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather. Mm. Obviously got knocked out on yeah. both times, but then retired. Tried to come back and got beaten in his first fight with mm. the infamous body blow, which mm. was he was known for yeah. the hit, yeah. hit Manhattan. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think during your career, at any level, whether you're a business, sports person, Mm. you've got to get yourself educated. Mm. and That's why I I write my books. mm. Yeah, Yeah. and as I said in our podcast that we've done together... I'm not knocking the school system. I do think it needs to be updated and adjusted. That's my personal take on it. But I remember being at school thinking, once you get to 16 or whatever, then you're done and Mm. education's over. Mm. And my mindset was, well, I don't need to go back to school. Why would I do that? I've Mm. left school many years ago. Mm. Well, actually, there should be someone there saying, do you know what? The school might be done, but there are other things you need to put yourself into, Mm. such as property, business, Mm. branding, Mm. social media, Mm. Business in general, you know, wellness, you yes. know, that's why we set up Mimboso because we want to give people a platform where they can talk about well-being in different parts of their life. Yes. You know? Is it easy setting an app up? I want to know. Like, I want to ask you that question. And I spoke
2: to him earlier about it. So I, want, I, want, I might want to do an app for myself.
1: Uh, is it easy or hard? So you've got like the white, late, like yeah. I'm not an expert in yeah, this. Yeah. So I've got Sam who is yeah. the uh, yeah. CEO. <laughs> Sorry, is, I, is, I is, put you in the yeah. spotlight. Yeah. Sorry. So my understanding <laughs> is you already got pre-made almost – App, like a white label yes. one which you can add your bits to it or you just build one from scratch yeah. now of course building one from scratch is a lot more expensive is it a lot of money yeah a lot yeah okay. yeah to when i say a lot mate, so what's, the best, what's, what's the
2: best route i'd go then
1: do, do, do I... it depends how intricate and how in depth you want the app to be it already okay. depends all right i mean i guess something like Uber, which mm. was like in its own niche, mm. needed to build one from scratch. Oh, they yeah. they just, had to put
0: billions into. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, they have. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I need
2: that type of thing.
1: I think there's a <laughs> there's a pl- platform called Crunchbase or TechCrunch or something which shows you the timeline of different tech companies, how okay. much money they've had invested, venture capital, angel investment, mm-hmm. etc. So you can see if you if you're looking at a certain app that you want to develop, yes. you could go on there and kind of understand how much money is probably going to take you and how long mm. if you want that kind of platform if that makes sense yeah i understand uh, if you want something basic then you might be able to get one off the shelf and white label it yeah
0: like hearing you talk about apps just makes me really want to bang home the fact that i think it's better and easier time than ever to be like your own boss Definitely. run your own business be an entrepreneur mm. you know not that how many footballers 10 20 years ago quit football early and now oh, i'm going to you know have a watch business or I'm going to st- have my own startup tech company or whatever mm-hmm. but you can start your own podcast now pretty much for free you can have your own YouTube channel pretty much for free you can have your own Facebook page you can get access to millions of people pretty quickly mm-hmm. you can have an app design where you can reach you know some wealthy high net worths or whatever and for pretty much low cost I mean I guess you just started doing your watch stuff from home did you when you started it yeah I started home in my house
2: um, as you said it's my clients all word of mouth um, you, know, so you don't really do any marketing? There's no marketing whatsoever. I'm, I'm going to go into that now. Mm. But, I haven't, I haven't but you haven't any, needed it. I haven't needed it and I haven't done any marketing. Obviously, just started my new website, broadwalkwatches.co.uk. <laughs> I'm going to plug that. <laughs> like you have plugging plugging yours. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, go. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, got, I haven't done no marketing, nothing. and I, I, I need to start doing that to get myself out there. Um, obviously, when you're selling watches and you're, and you're in the watch game, you're very wary who you deal with mm. because of the, obviously the high worth of each watch. You know, it takes one, get robbed by someone and it sets you back for ages. Obviously we have insurance and things, but it's still, you know, it, it's a kick in the teeth. Yeah. Cool. We
0: should we talk about cars? Yeah. Talk about yeah, cars. just for what's, fun. What's your favorite car of all time? My favorite car of all time is probably the 250 GTO. Yeah, great. I know, I think most people like the, actually, is it the 250 or the 280, the squarer looking one? 250, you like that? No, yeah. I think it's 250. Yeah, yeah. The um, what's that? Was that in the 60s, 70s? Mm. I'm not going to quote me because some of you people listen that. You don't know what he's talking about. No, it's the 280 <laughs> GTO. Okay, it's the 280 G. The 250 GTO is the mega expensive curvy one. Yeah, the 280 GTO is that slightly square looking one. I think it's got the flip up Blinkers. lights at the front. Yeah. yeah, so that's, I mean, to be honest, I um, say no, um, are they now? So they're coming oh, back
1: as well a lot. Yeah, they're, yeah, a, they're a few boxes.
0: million. I now, went. yeah, um, I'd have to put Testarossa right up there as my favourite. It's not the most expensive Ferrari in the world. And obviously look, I, in I, it, I, I bought one. It's iconic. Yeah, I mean, mine just sits in my garage, and I've driven it about uh, three yards yeah. since I've owned it. You know, I my, don't care. My, my, I just my, like looking at one it. One of my
2: friends has got a white one. Has he? Yeah, um, like Miavi. Vice, I going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he might have sold actually now, but he, he had it. It was lovely. It's a great looking car, a Testarossa. From white stock. to red. Well, white's more rare. White's more rare, is it? Of course it is. Yeah. Red Testarossa. Yeah, it's more it's more red than white. Yeah, but red, for, you know. I know, what we're talking also about so red. red. I know, I know, but listen. So you... Ferrari is red. We know yeah, that. Yeah. But, but sometimes them special cars True. having a special colour, you know. So do the whites
0: it. go at a premium? They cost more, do they? Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm thinking he sold it for a lot of money. Yeah. It's funny with the Testarossa because that was always my pin-up car. And I bought a 430 Spider as my first Ferrari. Mm. Um, And that was actually one of my favourite cars when I bought that. And I wanted a a Testarossa as well. Mm. And I just thought, you know, two Ferraris, you know, 30 years old, are people going to think I'm a dick? Is that a bit too much? And Testarossas at the time for a really nice clean one were 30, 35 grand. Wow. When I was thinking about that. 35. And then they went up and what, two years ago, they were 170, 180. And Mm. I paid one, I think I paid 110 for mine. Uh, 1987, 15,000 miles, clean as you'll find. Good to drive? Um, Nice to drive? Complete dog. It's like a tractor. They're they're all dogs, mate. The steering is like... uh, They're all dogs. You have to do like 28-point turns. Yeah. Yeah, the handbrake just like busts. You know, (laughs) it's it's the biggest dog ever to drive. Mm. Because I think you have this vision of a Ferrari, like Mm. it's going to drive like a brand new car. It's a 1987 car. Yes, exactly. Um, So, yeah, you you know, I never really go over a sort of 60 in it and just you know it clatters and bangs it mm-hmm. stinks of petrol inside oh, I love that. It, well yeah but, but no, the thing yeah, is like, yeah. you get out to go to a meeting and it's you raw. stink of petrol <laughs> so um but yeah so 280 gtos uh, actually to be honest um what's the the, the supercar there's the what's um, your favorite modern car oh the aventador Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You like Aventador, don't you? SV, S Aventador.
1: Yeah, or the S Aventador S. I yeah. mean, I don't I own one yet. Yeah. Uh, F40, F40, the F40. That was F40 what I mean. I love, you the love car. the F40, yeah, don't F40 you? I love that. F50, I love yeah. both of them. F50, yeah. I yeah. as well. Yeah. Both both very, very good cars. Yeah. Mm. The F40 is the pop-up. Pop-up Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think yeah. Aventador, yeah. Aventador
2: <clears throat> was like, <clears throat> he went to another level. He took Lamborghini to another level. Obviously, we had the Merchelago, which is a great car, and I have that car. But I think... Aventador just made it, just looked more futuristic. Mm. It was an amazing car. When you look at them now, they're just still amazing
0: cars to look at. Yeah, yeah. and also the fact that Audi are involved in the production of mm. them because, like, we had a um four five eight spider. Mark and yeah. I shared it, um, and we always resisted Lamborghini because Mark was like, "It'll drive like a pack of shit. Mm. You know, it'll just be all sort of grunt and no finesse and all yeah. this." But Audi have really, you know, like it's it's a tight car. Yeah, 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 and um, a four
1: wheel drive. Yeah. I think it's uh, like I've only ever owned one Ferrari mm. four five eight. I mm. think it was a great car, but I was never in love with it no. at all. I oh. think I think the the rear wheel drive is great if you live in a hot country, yes. but we live in fucking like, the UK. Fucking, yeah. I swear. I've no, sorry, sorry, kids. Um,
2: sorry kids. Um, I'm just
1: passionate about this point, and <laughs> yes. all right, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just hated it when it used to kick out like yeah. where where. You know, it was a little bit slippery, a little bit wet. Mm. Good thing about the... Well, I put my 458 through News International building.
0: I remember. Um, with, um, uh, like, the... the um, Obviously, people are going to say, yeah, whatever, Rob, you were driving too mm. fast. I wasn't going over the speed limit. Um, but the, you, it the, the take about 20 minutes for the, the brakes to warm up. Whereas, like, my Panamera Turbo, mm. you could smash that and hit the brakes and there'll be no brake fade yeah. or anything like that. But I put my foot... Hit the brakes, mm. nothing happened. So... Do you, do you are you are you are you obviously you two love lamborghini you see,
2: you seem like your lamborghini guy is not ferrari no like. i love them both i love them both yeah i love both, I love them both.
0: yeah so for the classics yes. i way prefer the Ferraris. ferrari 280 gto yeah. f40 Testarossa mm. I think the F40 will be the car I'll go to next yeah, amazing. I just need to build a bigger garage yeah. uh, made a mistake building my garage didn't build it narrow I built it for the cars I wanted <laughs> okay. next year okay. not the, the cars I wanted the year after yeah. the year. <clears throat> I don't mind narrow yeah. it just has to be long so you can <laughs> put them all in a queue actually everyone's got a wide underfloor garage if mm. you had to just like put them all in a queue mm. that that would be cool I built like a garage with a whole glass wall yeah. and my house so you can see them yes. all from the house nice. which my wife absolutely hates yeah. she just wants to put That's plants great. in the way of it now <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so I love that I love I think vintage mm. Ferrari but I think yes. the newer cars like that that what's that that hurricane which one the um you know the made, that's the one that's yeah, supposed like that. to like be that, yeah. outrageous in its performance like another level
2: I haven't driven one if I'm honest my friends own them and that but I haven't driven one but everyone
0: tells me great reviews on it on the track these cars obviously they're built for the track mm. not for the roads. But that's part of the marketing. If it's great on the track, yeah. like the GTR, it's always, when it comes out, great on the mm. track. But you know
2: what it is as well? These cars, they're so high-performance, these specialities and the perform- performantes, you can't get what they're supposed to on the roads because um, speed limits and things like that. Mm. You know, yeah, but you can't, you, you can't
0: get 80 grand's worth of value out of that. You don't buy it because you're getting 80 grand's worth of value. Okay, so you, so you, you know, does anyone buy a, a track car so that they can get everything out of it on the road. I know I don't. No. I buy it because of what it looks like, what it says about me, yeah. and hopefully to make some money on it. And it's I, a bit I, rare as yeah, well. Yeah, I understand yeah. what you're saying, but some people love tracking cars.
2: They're, they're made to, for the track, them yeah. Charlie's and them these cars. So you do get the car guys who love to track them. Yeah. But most, what you find is people don't buy them for the track. They buy them. Yeah, they buy them for the look, but they buy them for, yeah, it's going to go up in value, yeah. which is understandable. Mm. You know, I've done it myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about myself. Yeah. I bought a Speciale, I, I don't drive on a track, Yeah, and I couldn't get the performance out of it on the normal road. Yeah. yeah.
0: The thing is, I like, I've i never taken my car on the track because I just like, why don't you just take someone else's car and ruin their car? Because no, you, you, no, no, you beat no. your car around the track. No, new pads, yes. new discs. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. knew everything i think
2: a lot of people do do that they, they rent their cars at the like track they've tra- they got cars there and you you know drive it around Because i i wouldn't do that you've got to buy wheels tires straight yeah. after you burn them out yeah, yeah. you know I, I don't want to do that to my car
1: No, exactly. i would take my car though or a car yeah. to the Nurburgring. ring you take I, your own car I think it would. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because um, it's it's not well, like then, no, it's It's like a road, isn't? Yeah, Toll yes, road, isn't yes, it? Almost. Yes. So you could say you've been on it. Mm. um You have to pick your moments because I know there's a horrendous amount of crashes that happen on that. Didn't and it? I think also you sign something that if you crash, you've got to pay for every meter of the side or something. You know, yeah? it's really expensive if you crash. So yeah, it's a bit wow. of a risk.
0: Mm. That's what? what I heard. Why do you think cars are like? Obviously not all cars, but um, sort of the higher-end cars, have gone up so much in value, and then just really recently, why they've dropped a bit? By anything, we don't no one really knows.
2: Um, cars have definitely dropped, definitely a lot. Um, even my own cars, I can see the values dropping slightly, but
0: I don't know. Do you think it was a
2: bubble? No, I don't think so. I think it, things go up and down in, all the time. Obviously, watches now are, are very, very high, very strong. Commodity, but I think a great car, as you, these cars you're mentioning, will always, you know, go, come back around and go up in value.
0: Mm. So, if you wanted to buy a car, um, and maybe not a Ferrari, but a car which you would hope to go up in value, what elements are you looking for? Well, you said like anything, limit production. Yeah, um, but you know that, but a lot of people don't know that. So, because you've always said to me, it's all about numbers. It's all about numbers. It's all yeah. about numbers. For mm. watches, for mm. cars, and the brand, and
2: yeah. the correct brands. We know, obviously. Car in car in car terms, the major brands are Ferrari, Porsche, you know, Porsche, Lamborghini. Yeah. You know, these type of brands, um, Mercedes. Some Mercedes vintage Mercedes yeah. are great, but as we, I've bought, the gold I, wings and it. Yeah, but I've bought Mercedes like just the normal ones, the modern ones, mate. As soon as you have it, just you lose so much. Yeah. Six percent, seven percent, just lose. It's, it's horrible. Mm. You know, I I bought a car years ago for like hundred grand. It was. I look an auto trader now, mate. They're like 10 grand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, you know what? I might buy that again. It's in my car. Yeah. I swear that I'm like that. But um, yeah, I think definitely buy certain brands, do do research, limit production, things that they don't make no more as well. Mm. Obviously, in car terms, service history. Things yeah. have to have service history. You know, you need to know where it's come from. Mm-hmm. Has it been looked after well? Because some guys, they just, they rag it around yeah. and don't
0: care about it. Mm. Well, when I bought the Testarossa, because my business partner's well into Um, all of that. And by the way, those few things you said, I think that's great information that people should definitely make a note of. Um, We got a chap who hand restores 250 GTOs and all of that. Uh, And that's what he does for a living. Mm. And we got him, we paid him like a few hundred quid Mm. on the cars we were looking at to go and do a check around them. Mm. And you know, like normally when you send someone like that, you just expect like a massive report of all the things that are wrong with it. Mm. And we found this Ferrari, which like I said, paid about 110 grand. And then he, th- he said it was one of the cleanest if it he's ever ever seen. So See, things like paying someone like with so much experience, a few hundred quid, same, yeah, it's exactly. priceless. Yeah. it's worth investing in that, mm. which is which is great. And what about art? You're obviously big into art. Mm. Um, I'm into art, but you know you deal in it, and it's yeah. your business. Um, what things can you look into to hopefully have art that appreciates?
1: Well, you know what? Like um, I always say, I'm very very honest about this fact that uh, with Woodbury House, our uh, private our agency we're based in London um kind of got into it by kind of chance um always in business but we were approached by kind of a mentor at the time even though we didn't brand him that um and a art expert dealer he said uh, he approached me and my business partner and offered us some works to to promote and sell which we did and we sold out within about six weeks and the business was born from there so the point I'm trying to make is I wouldn't Regard myself as an expert, but just like yourself, when you mentioned about watches, you mm-hmm. stick to Rolex, Patek Philippe, RM, mm. and AP. AP. Mm. And then you get to know those areas really well. Mm-hmm. It's like property; you can, you are not always going to become a property expert, but if you know HMOs really well, mm. service accommodation, Halo, local area, know the streets, yeah, know it, the years. Exactly, yeah. you start to pick up a lot more information in a specific uh, strategy within that whole market. So with us, I was always told that if you're going to, as far as investment's concerned, because I know some people buy art for decoration of their office, their Mm -hmm. home, or just to collect because it's going to complement what they've already got, Um, ask yourself three questions. Is the artist backed by a recognised museum? Is the artist backed by a recognised art agency or gallery? And is the artist backed by a recognised, what was the third one now? Gallery, museum, agency, or a family or an art dealer? Someone who's like known for backing uh, blue chip or investment great mm-hmm. artists. And if the answer is yes to all three, you've probably got a winner. Yeah. If it's two or one, the probability gets diluted. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's how you kind of look at it. Obviously, you've got modern art, pop art, and the mm-hmm. biggest movement today, which we deal in, mm-hmm. is the contemporary street art movement. And the main person that we deal with at the moment is Richard Hambleton. I, yeah. I, I love your stuff. <clears throat> he passed away, did he? Is So it- Roughly about... Team 15 months ago, he yes. passed away. He was dubbed by the New York Times as the godfather of street art. He was affiliated with Jean-Michel Basquiat and Keith Haring. And basically, some of these names would mean absolutely nothing to people. But when I say the name Banksy, mm. everyone knows who Banksy is. Mm. He got his inspiration from mm-hmm. the three main guys mm-hmm. in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And I'll just give you a quick story. Basically, Jean-Michel Basquiat, he died of drug-related symptoms. He used to go out with Madonna. Mm. So that gives you kind of an understanding what sort of level he was at. He was a household name, a celebrity in his mm-hmm. own right. Keith Haring died of uh, AIDS, I believe, around about 32, 33 years wow. of age. So both young guys. But if you look at S- Sotheby's, Christie's and Phillips today... Some herrings work. You can find them going between $20, $30 million, sometimes a bit more. But Jean-Michel Basquiat, one of his pieces in 2017, went for, I think, in Christie's in New York. Yeah, I need to I need to just do my homework a little bit more. Crazy money. It went for $110.5 million. $110.5 million. That was one piece of art. Hambleton wow. was the last Survivor member up until just over a year ago. So... All the uh, hallmarks suggest, the evidence suggests, it's only going to go in one direction. Yes. And s- since his past, other bids have done an auction, blew all estimates, uh, one of the pieces, and yeah, we're just seeing a lot, of, a lot of people approach so us.
2: Would you say it's good to get? Why <coughs> like, his artwork right now? He's still kind of early, still, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I think like when you, if you look at, they always say history re- repeats itself. Mm. Recession's still always going to come, mm. like them or not. Just accept they're coming, yes. and you need to deal with it. And with with art history, like with certain key influencers in their in like their genres, um, over like a two or three year period after they passed away, the market moved. Yes. But the ex- exponential growth, where it goes to a completely another planet, happens mm. within a probably about a five year period. Yeah. I would I reckon that Hamilton's going to have like some million, two million, three million pound auction results in the next coming years. I don't see why not though. I can't guarantee it but people that I know who work for the estate or the copyright mm. or know the family or also know art history and they're mm. very close with Christie's and people like that as in the auction houses they're all suggesting it's going to go that way.
2: I've seen the, I've seen the DVD the one we I saw. The Shadow it, Man. Yeah,
1: Shadow Man. That's amazing. I would, I'd recommend
2: anyone to watch that. Can you oh, watch it on YouTube? Or, or yeah. It, yeah. It's or you can contact our yeah. company Woodbury House. <laughs> and, <laughs> no. But and, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I really, you know you got to see how his life was no, you got to... Well, you come
1: like, to the screen, private screen. Yeah I, ca- I came,
2: yeah, I came to it and I I, I loved it. it. It made me understand him a bit more and it made me want to buy the art. Yeah. Even though I haven't bought the art yet. And I'm still trying to switch it, your arm. Uh,
0: Get um,
1: rid I'm, of
2: a
0: patek. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but no, listen, I'm definitely very, very interested in it.
0: So I asked
1: Kieran, like you know... A buying question to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
2: asked
0: Kieran, how do you start getting into watches? Because, you know, a lot of people listening to this, they might not have... 40 50 grand for a watch. They might. What's a sort of a, an entry level piece of is it the Hambleton? What's that sort of money?
1: So you've got originals, yeah, which are always going to be more desirable. And what's, and what's entry level there? So it's all about the quality, yeah. I would say a shadow head, which is like his kind of regular currency as far as Hambleton's concerned, between 30 40000 okay. potentially, a good quality, yeah. You could get. Original but on paper, so canvas is better. But then when you go to to paper, it's still going to be investment grade, but you have to understand the thoroughbred collectors will want the canvases. Mm. The regular investors or people that are kind of of in art will certainly buy the papers. And then you also got the limited editions. Now, I used to kind of like when I first didn't really understand art, I used to knock at editions thinking, well, they're just prints, they're just copies, mm. when actual fact, if you look at Jean-Michel Basquiat, Keith Haring, even Andy Warhol, Banksy, any of these top names, even Cause, uh, mm. Jeff Koons, yes. Damien Hirst, their they're copies or limited editions, they're going for hundreds of thousands. Mm, I remember it? seeing Sotheby's, um had a one of, was it 50 or 25 of Jean-Michel Basquiat? I can't remember the title of it. It might even have been Untitled. Okay. It went for like 350000 wow. dollars for mm. for essentially a copy. Because naturally, people think, oh,
2: the copies and they're not, they're not going to make money. Yeah. It's all uh, about supply and demand, though. Yeah, isn't it? it
1: is. It, it,
0: you know, in the end, a hundred edition of a very popular artist mm. is not a lot of pieces. No,
1: yeah, not in the world. Yeah, and what we find, what we find with our client database is you get uh, someone who buys a Hamilton. I sold one for. I won't say completely, actually, but, you know, over mm. half a million. Mm. And it was a masterpiece. And uh, I know the, the client, really nice guy, didn't want to keep it in his house because who wants to keep Even if you've got a £10 mm. million house with all the security, mm. you're always going to be worried about your kid bumping into it. If mm. you have a party, someone throws wine over it. Mm. You know, just anything can happen. It can get robbed. So they keep it in storage but then what they do for almost bragging rights they buy the limited edition as well have it up on the wall and wow. say yeah only limited edition yeah. which is still tens of thousands but the real one i've got in bond oh, I love and, it's, that. and it's kind of like you've got best of both worlds yeah that's, mm. that's a good idea very good it's idea. Def- definitely worth mm. doing so we, mm. we are finding more and more and more people yeah. are doing that mm. um it's funny you say about
0: uh, the, the limited editions because um one thing i never got about ap in the early days when i was more into rolex i just used to think they've got this royal Oak, and they just bring out like eighty edition, editions of the same watch. You know, like it's just the the Schumacher, the Montoya, LeBron, LeBron, the Ar- 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 Arnie watches. Yeah. Yeah, the Barrichellos. Yeah. It's just like I almost felt like it's a bit like us, they're taking the piss out of the customers a bit. <laughs> it's the same freaking watch over and over and over. But it's supply and demand. Mm. If you've got this design, Gerald Genta design, very famous design, you make one piece, 50 of them. Mm. Their tooling can make the same piece and make it slightly different, put someone else's name on it, 50 of them. So in a way, it's quite clever. Mm. It's taking like the same model, but it's creating some scarcity of supply and demand, yeah. which is to a certain extent what the limited editions can do with a popular artist. Because yeah. if like someone like Damien Hirst, there's like a million people that like a piece of his art, but they can't afford his... You know um originals yeah well uh, a one in a 100 if you've got 200 buyers who pay for that and there's only 100 of them the price is going to go up yeah exactly and also so how do we get into art it's to so like some people can't get 50 grand patek they can't get 40 grand hambleton yeah where do you start because i started with a five grand rolex getting into watches and actually that was a great journey to go through because mm. i learned about watches yeah. Um, you know, I'm into art, but, you know, I don't know. I'd, if I had a choice between a 50 grand piece of art and a 50 grand watch,
1: I'm going to yeah. buy a watch every time. Well, it's kind of like the same kind of question with, with cars, watches, and loads of other things. Maybe not so much with property, but definitely with art. I always ask a client, if they're going to get into it the first time, what is your motivation for buying it? Is it because it's going to decorate your home? Is it because it's going to decorate or complement your, your already existing portfolio? Or are you looking to make money from it? Because... Based upon their answer, you know what kind of per, how you need to kind of sell to them or present things to them. Mm. There are some people I know who don't give a damn about the backstory, do not care about what they've done. Like it. They just say, "What's the proje- projections?" I know there's no guarantees, but in five years, what could I possibly make for mm. some pure investment? Then we just show them what his predecessors have done in the, that, that time period. We always say there's never guarantees of course. behind it, but. Judging on that, this is where it's going to go. Other people will say, right, I've got this in my portfolio. How can this fit, fit in? So understanding who you're promoting to, selling to is number one. Um, if you are not blessed or don't have the courage maybe of spending hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands straight away, a good limited edition of the artist is, um, is a good place to start. Yeah, I think, I think like anything,
2: building up slowly and seeing seeing something you know, do well. You know, mm. To get people in, involved, because like I yeah. just said, <clears throat> I haven't got any art at the moment. But if I did buy a piece and I saw it flip for just a, a, a little bit of a profit, it would like me, oh nice. Mm. Just like the watches, when someone buys a watch of me, yeah. you know that they, they see the return, they've made money, they, they they get some more on wanting to buy more stuff. I
1: think it's the, and you learn as yeah, yeah, you go exactly exactly. You know because we can all
0: buy something not very good when we start. Maybe we're over emotional or we just don't yeah. really understand much about the the investment class, but. You because know, the best way to learn is doing it. Definitely. I mean, I'm all up for Experience. reading, studying, getting mentors, and, I, and I'm mm. all in on that. But at the end of the day, you really learn about watch prices when you bought one for 10 and you sold it for seven and mm. that hurts, yes. or you bought one for five and you've made five on it and, mm. and you love it, and, mm. then, and then you learn.
1: Yeah, mm. I just think as well, it depends on your appetite for risk. So, like, I remember even being here at some of the networking events. I remember speaking to one guy. I don't know how it went for him, actually, but I spoke to him a few times. And he straight away jumped in the deep end, commercial conversion, converting all these things. Yeah. And I don't know if HMO what... in the cathedral when he's still living with his mum. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I think this guy, you know, was already success in his own right. But as far as profit is concerned, he just said, look, doing one or two little things doesn't doesn't... Make me enthusiastic or passionate, so I have to go in big. Mm. And I thought, go yeah, big blank. or go home, yeah. Yeah. As, I, as, as, as is commonly said, yeah. said here, which I do yeah. agree with as yeah, well. I'm not sure about that. And there are there are certain people that who've got involved with art and they've bought their first bit of art off of us, and they said, don't even bother showing me anything less than hundred grand because I won't get excited. Mm. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Mm. So it depends on your appetite for mm. risk. I think that if you've got a bit of an interest in it, you can start higher. I like the journey.
0: Yeah, me too. Like
1: my first nice car when I
0: was like you know early 20s was mm. a Nissan 350z and I freaking loved that yeah. pound for pound getting a car that I had the most love for it was that because yeah. I went from a shit car mm. to an all right car yeah. then when I got the GTR for me that was like whoa mm. and then I got my first Ferrari and it was like whoa yeah. and then I got in the Lamborghini I got whoa but if I went straight from zero to Lambo yeah, you don't much. go through yeah. all that journey me too. Yeah. and the lessons you get yeah, yeah.
2: I, I get I like it. I'm a journey guy as well Definitely start off low. I didn't watching. know that it was, had a name, a journey, guys. <laughs> I'm a journeyman. Journeyman, yeah. boy, journeyman. No, but I'm like that as well. Starting off small and building up, learning, learning about the whatever you buy, whatever product, whatever mm. watch you buy, getting experience. And as you said, if you if I just bought a straight watch um, for a million pounds and I've got the best watch in the world, it's like, oh, okay. Really that soon becomes yeah. normal. And then you've got no
0: upgrade part. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. You know, everyone likes to upgrade and upgrade and upgrade. So i definitely
0: agree with that. Mm. Uh, like with cars, you can get um, maybe not mega expensive Porsches, certainly um, older vintage Mercs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you listen to Mark Homer's podcast with Quentin Wilson, Quentin um, recommends some of the 1980s Mercedes. I love them, the SLs. Um, for, yeah, for yeah. And just, you know the sort of square looking ones? Yes. They're like, you can pick them up for eight or ten mm. grand. And he, he, that was his next call. Because if you go back through history with Mercs, Obviously, the Pagodas and the, yeah. um, the SL Gold Wings mm. have gone mega money, but that can be a good place to start.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I like the SL. I, I was looking the other day on eBay for one.
0: So, um, yeah, I rec- I, I'm not recommending that car, but I want that car for myself. Mm. Just finding the right one. The thing with cars is you need the garage space. That's the problem. Mm. The thing with watches is you don't need as much space. Mm. Art, you don't need as much space. With a, a car, you need the garage space. That's what's because I'd have more, a lot more because I had five at one point. Yeah. Um, well in fact we had 14 at one point um, but I had five that were parked at my house I had like this 750 brake GTR sat in my drive mm. just and like in the end it was just the, the water was going yeah, through yeah
2: and I, also the cars I, f- I find as well with me maintenance maintenance, servicing
0: and insurers I know we insure our watches but
2: everything with the cars it seems a bit more faff yeah, than yeah. compared to watches and it is
1: bleeding yeah. a bit of money you for know. sure it is yeah. bleeding yeah we talk about you know, like you made
0: a bit on the speciality, but how much was the service servicing? Exactly. You know, what was it? I lost money. I lost exactly.
1: money.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, so it's true. I yeah. mean, we've, obviously, what, I think the expenses are insurance mm. and with our a lot of people put it in bond. So yes. then you've got that as well. When you say
0: put it in bond, can you explain that for someone that doesn't understand so what that means? Basically, it's like
1: a secured... Location. Yeah. It's, so it's it, like having a safety deposit box yeah. for pieces of art. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. use actually one in Switzerland uh, because when we first started promoting the Hamilton stuff, mm. the big art uh, dealer. I won't Is that in Geneva, right? that one? Uh, no, it's Zurich. Okay. It's in the Freeport there, okay. right by the uh, airport. All right. It was called, I think it's called Art Loomis now, or right. uh, one of them. And um, billi- uh, well, no, I'm not even exaggerating, billions and billions and billions worth of art, antiques, mm, sculptures imagine. and mm. incredible stuff. Um but yeah I mean if you if you've got a limited edition you might want to just take that take that home and have it on your wall mm-hmm. but then when you start you know buying into the masterpieces mm-hmm. or very very like a limited, uh limited well mm-hmm. exclusive works from Hambleton, anyone like this, yes. probably keep it in mm-hmm. like a s you know, a bond yeah something like that to keep it secure and safe. One more thing I want to talk about. I know you've got to be home. you
0: f- have gone. You have got to be I home. Got to yeah, school, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's just do one Go more on. thing. Um like, watches been going up and up and up, cars been going up and up and up, slowed a bit, art probably been, you know, you've seen a lot of growth. I just feel like one day it's got to end and everything's got to fall off a cliff like you, it did 12 you, you years always, ago.
2: You always text me and say that. Oh, it's going to pop. I'm gonna you wait. must be sick of my negativity, <laughs> I'm mate. Go, I'm going to wait until it pops, and I'm going to buy more watches. He told me yeah. to sell this as well. <laughs> he said it's pro- probably uh, Yeah, but
0: you, you, you can get all cocky now. <laughs> no. But, you know,
2: in, a, in two or three years' time... Yeah, but if it does, it pops, it pops, and I just buy more watches and
1: then wait to go back up again. I want to say this, though, right, because, you know, there's obviously this whole, I call it a bit, well, propaganda about mm. Brexit. Yes. I don't really kind of think about it too much. Yeah. I don't know what you got. I know, I know, I've heard you speak about Brexit before. Mm. Recession, I always believe that these things are going to happen. Mm. And the good thing about watches, the good thing about art, the good thing about certain cars they're a non-correlated asset class to the traditional areas like Mm. banks, Mm -hmm. interest rates, Mm -hmm. stock market fluctuations. And typically people used to, I know my mum and dad, go down to their high street bank Bartleys and not knocking them or the bank, but that's all they know. Yeah. Once you get educated in other areas, you can actually find that you can make actually bigger returns in a safer environment. Yeah. And regardless what happens to
0: Brexit or mm. Trump, you are into right power, about the non-correlation. Mm. Because we were
1: talking about this before.
0: Watches its own animal, mm. property its own animal, mm. art its own animal, cars its own animal, and they're all peaking and dipping at different mm. times. And sometimes people would assume. Brexit recession, everything down or everything up, but it's not. You know, like the the graphic equalizers on the hi fi, it's it's like that. I cannot get my head around how strong the watch market is.
2: I know it is so strong right now. And I I understand what you keep saying. It has to come down. It has to come. It might come down, but it will go back up again. So, Mm -hmm. and that's
0: why it comes back to buy limited edition, buy watches you'd be prepared to hold for a long time, buy
1: watches you enjoy. Definitely. It's about being patient as well. You know, like people. And I've I've been a, I've been uh, I've definitely done this before in the mm. past, but now I'm growing a bit older. I feel like I can control it, but it's the emotion. Mm. Sometimes when you read something on the news, you're like, oh damn, mm. man, everything's going down. Mm and the emotion kicks in and you want to sell everything you want to become yeah. panic you know go in panic mode i just think if you can be disciplined yeah. and just look at the facts and hold yes 9 times out of 10 over the 5 year period is going to come back i was i was trying to tell
2: my people so watch it too the holder always wins in the end if you can yeah. if you can hold
1: if you can hold cause
2: sometimes Predicaments you can't hold. You mm. have to sell, fair enough. But if you can hold, then hold it because it will go up eventually if it comes back down. It's
1: mm. so like the same thing with property. I've got a lot of people that I know um, in, in property have made a fortune out of mm. it. And one of the biggest regrets they always say is, I should have sold that property. Yeah. You know, they always say it. Everyone well, what says what
0: that? was that Patek I paid 26 for? is now 60. 70 now.
1: 70.
0: 59.80. 59.80. 80. Yeah. yeah. So um, I paid 26 for that. I got, I got 35 for it, yeah. thinking, look at me, yeah, but, and now it's 70. Yeah, but you wouldn't have known that. No. It? What is the... the no, one, what not no also what I've got to think about is that was, that was the line, line before
1: this. Yeah, yeah. the chronograph,
0: yeah. blue dial. The like chronograph. That. I liked yeah. it, but the, the when I did that, the clasp came off, and that annoyed me. Yeah, but I think you said a dodgy clasp. I just thought that was a bit of yeah, a flaw
2: think in there. I your one. I think my your
0: one. <laughs> my re- <ending. laughs> No, but I'm saying you sold it. You made a profit. You was happy. I was happy. And at the time, that was the right decision. Because exactly. that wasn't the watch I was in love with the
2: most. No one has a crystal ball. No one knows if it's going to go to 100 grand. It might go back down. We don't know. But if you feel that you've made a profit and you go out, then you're happy at that time. Like mm. me, when I sell watches, it is what well, it is. I've made my money. I've moved on. I'll buy something else. Yeah. If I, if I would have held on
0: to every watch, then... Yeah, I would have made a lot lot more money, but it's just what well, it is. Mm. With art, is that sort of really cyclical as well with the sort of the economy, or is it again
1: all about supply and demand and an artist that's in sort of vogue? It goes back to is like, as far as investment's concerned, I'm not talking about just art was going to decorate somewhere, because mm. um, there is obviously a big marketplace for that, but investment. Um, if you've got a true blue chip artist, then yeah, the market can come back down. But I, I do honestly believe over time, 5, 10, 15 years, it's going to go back up because let's look at the end user, the, con- the real consumer. They are the billionaires or then you've got the people worth hundreds of millions of millionaires and millionaires mm. and so on. They're the ones driving the market. Now, mm. I can tell you this. They ain't got a re- recession. Recession yeah. or no nah, recession. Don't they, 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 know, they don't even know don't, what one don't. is. They're not going to stop no. buying the yachts. No. They're not going to stop. I mean, I've got a friend of mine who's buying a, Private, private jet, and mm. everyone keeps on going, um, there's a recession, there's Brexit, and all this stuff, mm. it doesn't matter to them. That that, so people are yeah. buying this art, it doesn't matter to them either. Mm. Now, I'm not saying you're going to become the end user, but you can trade them in between, and yeah. you can almost leverage or piggyback the movement that these bigger boys are creating. Mm. A lot of people do it in stock trading with the banks. If a big institute or Warren Buffett buys a stock, like um, I remember when he bought Heinz, I think a few years ago, put like... 40 or 50% of his portfolio into it. So many smaller investors jumped onto that. Of course that. they did. And it's mm. the same thing with art. You know, you're seeing, going back to Hamilton, he got, he ticked two boxes. He ticked, is he backed by a recognized uh, agency or uh, gallery? Yes. Was he backed by a recognized art dealer or family? Yes. But he didn't really have the, 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 the museum one. It was only a week before he died, he got accepted into the MoMA, which is Museum of Modern Art. That's basically like your go-to when you want to know if someone's good or not. Mm. And he's a part of their permanent collection. So now he's got all three. So now that you've got this big organisation saying, yep, we rubber stamp this artist, so many people bought on the back end of that news, Mm. and it's obviously gone up in value. Mm. So I know it's a bit of a long-winded explanation, but I think...
0: So I don't have to pick up my kids. It's Kieran that has to pick up his kids. (sighs) Listen, <laughs> I don't have to pick my kids up. I can text my wife and say, ah, oh. there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's no, true, though. I can stay and talk. No, right? no, it's cool. I think we're probably good. I think we've had a good time. We've been over an hour. Yeah. Should we wrap it up? Cool. Cheers, Steve. Thank Thanks you for coming very down much. to the studio. Yeah, Thank you for having Kieran. No pressure?
1: No problem. All right. All right, lovely.